0: Welcome to the OTP from Indy and the Combine. I would call it the Titans Fab 4 edition of the OTP, except that I have been advised by our legal department that Fab 4 is trademarked by somebody and that it would be uh, inaccurate.
1: Well, it's just odd.
0: My name is Mike Keith. You've just heard Amy Wells chime in. Jim White from TitansOnline.com is here for his 87th consecutive combine. Jim,
1: welcome to the program.
2: Uh, glad to be here. Would it not be the five Four you say inaccurate because one of the four is not Fab?
0: Well, I, I don't know. You'd have to talk to legal.
1: If you okay. don't know who's not Fab, it's you. That's so it. <laughs> that's what they say, The I one think. we
0: know who is Fab is Coach Dave McGinnis.
3: But not legal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he will be playing the role in terms of audio today of Sam Elliott because that's who he sounds like right now. Coach yeah, I, Mack, it is good to have you with us as yeah. part of this edition of the OTP.
3: You know what? This is my first Combine uh, with you guys doing this, and I love it. I mean, this is my 33rd, 34th time up You're here. You're the
0: mayor of the combine.
3: Well, you know, if you've been someplace for 34 years, you know a lot of people.
0: Well, Jason Garrett, the Dallas Cowboys coach, just stopped you out in the hall. How long have you known Jason Garrett? Since, well, that, since this, he was a teenager or something?
3: <laughs> I hired his brother John on my staff at Arizona, and I knew his dad, you know, when he was scouting for a long time. <laughs> yes, yeah, so,
0: so the answer is yes. Yeah, yeah,
3: a long time. Uh huh. But it's great being here with you guys, it's cool. This it, is. This is neat.
1: It takes three hours to get anywhere with Coach Mack, though. Any place you want to walk, you stop every two and a half steps because he knows somebody and wants to catch up, and that's part of the combine experience. Yeah, but like you got to get through all of that. So if you need to be anywhere on time, no shot. Tell Coach Mack to meet you. Coach?
3: Ashley, Ashley Farrell was so mad at me last night. We were walking back from dinner and it's really cold and Indy at night, wind whipping through the buildings. Mm-hmm. She finally said, Coach Mack, please, next person you know, don't say hello to him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but that's got to be kind of a big thrill
3: No, it's great i mean i I love it i've always enjoyed coming up here and of course you know as a coach when you're coming up here i mean it's it's pretty much of a grind because once you once the players start coming in i mean you're you're working and even before the players start working out you're in the train station interviewing i mean it's 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 pretty much you know you're you're from seven in the morning till 11 at night it's a pretty good grind i've enjoyed this
0: today is thursday february the 28th and the The Combine itself is really starting. Jim, things really pick up today for the players, and we roll basically through, I guess, Tuesday, right?
2: That's right. Uh, You know, for the media, it's through Sunday. Uh, That's when they close it down here inside this building. But – Today's when the interviews start, when the players start coming to the podium. Kyler Murray's tomorrow. I was already looking at the list to see when some of the bigger names come through, and certainly some big names come through today. But uh, I have a feeling he'll be the guy that draws the biggest crowd this week. All
0: right, I want to start off this combine edition of the OTP with a name. And I want to see first, don't chime in, gentlemen. I want to see if Amy Wells knows this name. Oh, no. Mike Mamula. Do you know the name Mike Mamula? Now, you're you're young, I don't expect you to, but I just wondered if you'd heard tell.
1: I appreciate you calling me young, let's keep that going. But no, I don't know that name.
0: Mike Mamula is one of the most famous combine stories in 1995, defensive end out of Boston College, came here and blew the combine away. Did 26 on the bench press, ran four, five, eight, 49 on the wonderlick, 38 and a half on the vertical, He went from being – he was a good player at Boston College. He had 29 sacks his last two years. But he went from being a second or third-round pick to ending up being the seventh pick overall. And when people talk about a guy being a Mike Mamula, what are they saying, Coach Mack? Well, you know,
3: first of all, it's a little bit of a, a, you know – it's a little bit of a misnomer because Mike Mamula was a good player. I mean he was a good player. You know, I was I was I was coaching at the Bears and I I, I vetted him. I wrote a report on him, you know, and, and he was a guy that he played really good at Boston College, had good production. You didn't you didn't quite see those numbers, you know, on tape. The interesting part about it was, I mean, and you, you, you just said where he went up. You you realize during that draft, that's the ninety five draft, uh, when we were at the Bears, we took Rashawn Salam. That was when the Oilers I think that was Eddie I mean that was Eddie George. Yeah. So anyway, he's the, a good player. The, the 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 thing The thing that happened with that thing, they trade. No, incorrect. That was that was Steve, Steve McNair. McNair. That was I'm Nair. sorry. That's McNair. Eddie George was 96, 96. My bad. They 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 traded with Tampa. They traded up with Tampa to go get that pick, and and the two people that Tampa took with the trade down. Everybody will know these names. And first of all. <laughs> They're two Hall of Famers. Yes, it, it's crazy how the draft works. I mean, it was Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp. And Warren Sapp. And and that's how it went. The head coach at the Eagles at the time was was Ray Rhodes. And Ray Rhodes and I were in the same freshman class together at TCU. You know, as, as football players, and and so it was. uh Yeah, everybody was shocked when they moved up, and then when they took him. And as you said, Mike, you I mean, you know all of all of his stats. He was a good football player. But the expectations that were put on him because of where he was traded up to were really a little
0: out of whack. Jim White, does it surprise you to learn that Mike Mamula had an eight-sack year with the Eagles and an eight-and-a-half-sack year and finished his five years there with 31-and-a-half sacks?
2: Pretty impressive.
0: Well, I think to Coach Mack's point, because when you hear, oh, this guy may be a Mike Mamula, he may be a guy who tests off the charts – I mean, that's a good NFL career. He had an injury that basically finished him, but he was a good player. He he just wasn't what was perceived coming out of Indianapolis and with a seventh overall pick.
2: Yeah, and we see I mean obviously this guy wasn't drafted nearly as high, but people in Nashville more familiar with him. But you know, Chris Henry, somebody like that who has who blows it away during the running back from Arizona. Right, who blows it away during some of the drills leading up to the combine. And then uh he didn't do nearly what Mike Mambula did. I mean, he, his career never took off, and and uh, he climbed the ranks by his, you know, what he what he ran, you know, what he did physically, and not necessarily based on what he did on tape. And that's why a lot of coaches and GMs will tell you what's the most important thing is what what you do on the football field.
1: So let me ask a question. I think I'll start with Coach Mack, just because you are an evaluator of talent for many many years. Why are we doing this? the whole combine if sometimes it can be a little skewed and may or may not actually be an indicator of a guy's production through his career. You know, if you
3: think about putting together a picture of a, of a, of a player for, the, for where you're going to slot in both vertically and horizontally on a draft board, you use this as a piece of that puzzle. The biggest thing that comes out of this is, is you get an apples-to-apples look at everybody on the medicals. That's huge. That is really huge. Now, the drills and what you see, some of the things that you see, you confirm that you've watched on tape. This is a piece of the puzzle and and the better scouting staffs and the better organizations, you, you don't weight this any heavier than you weight anything else. And to Jim's point, the thing that carries the most weight is how they play on tape because, you know, you're drafting football players. But and over the years, I saw where Gil Brand had just put out a chart, you know, as, as to where they had, you know, certain measurements and numbers and places where, you know, players should hit depending on the positions they play. At least if you've been doing this for a while, you've got some historical averages to look at. But still, you've got some guys that came here that, that I mean, I drafted one of them at Arizona. Anquan Bolden was not a combine quiz. Anquan no. And I mean he, he ran four <laughs> seven he's a receiver that ran four seven two.
0: And he was originally talked about as a first round pick, and then he came here and ran four seven two and everybody went, eh.
3: He ran four seven two and so I was able to get him in the second round and the rest is history. So you I mean you have to be able to but I think if you've got a, a good history and a body of work that you can reference things to, this is just a piece of the puzzle, Amy.
0: As a reporter covering this for the Tennessee and, and, and now for the Titans and for titansonline.com, Jim, what are the most important storylines that you have found over the years that end up mattering that come out of the combine?
2: I mean, I, I think from a reporter's standpoint, because we don't, I mean, I think a lot of people figure, okay, you're going to the combine, you're going to be in watching the drills, you're going to see these guys. I mean, obviously we we got the bench press right here behind us. That hasn't always been the case. So it's not like you can see the drills. I'm always interested to see how these guys handle themselves uh, you know, in front of the big crowds and all the questions I have to answer. I mean, these guys have got to be honest, and they're getting these—they're not getting anything here with the reporters that they're not getting behind closed doors with these teams during these 15-minute interviews. So I'm always curious to see how these guys handle themselves. Some of them come in here like a Tim Tebow, and uh, there's not a flaw next to his name, and uh, and then other guys coming here certainly with some baggage, with questions they have to answer, whether it's off-the-field stuff, and I'm always curious to see how those guys handle those situations as well uh uh certainly interested in the drill certainly interested in what guys run you know the what guys run again circling back to that I mean a lot of times that that helps sometimes it's overrated I mean I, I, who knows if the Bengals are really tra- talking about trading Rawls but he, he blew the combine away a couple of years ago and now he's but he's reportedly on the market for being traded so uh I I guess from a reporter's standpoint, it's more uh, what you find out about the guy during your time with him here at the Combine.
3: Well, and, and, that, and that goes to the coaching aspect of it, too. you know. And, and, and Amy asked a very good question about what do you get from this. The next thing you get is face-to-face with these players. And not only the 15 minutes that you get 60 of them that you schedule in your in your room you know, over at the Holiday Inn, the 60 of them that you have, but also where they call the train station, where the, the assistant coaches, they've got 32 tables set up in a huge uh, you know, auditorium place over there that you can get as many players as you want. And that's where the assistant coaches – can really sit down and start to grind on these guys and really kind of find out what they're about, you know, family-wise, find out what they're about football-wise, and just find out, and and to your point, Jim, how they handle themselves around what's going on. Who's the most impressive combine interview you were ever involved with, Dave McGinnis? Uh, I would have to say James Laurinaitis. James Laurinaitis out of Ohio State. I mean, you know, immediately, as soon as he left the room, you know, I said, that's a middle linebacker in this league. And, 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 and James Laurinaitis wasn't the fastest player, but you could just tell the presence that he had. And when you sat down with him, you know, he, was, he was so dialed in and, and, and ended up clearly you know, coaching James at the Rams. We went to the Rams and, and you just know, and if you've done it you know, long enough, you get a point of reference where you get it back to, but he was impressive just because of the way he handled himself, his knowledge of what was going on. And also when you, I mean, you, you, know, you know his dad, Joe, was the animal. You know, <laughs> hawking animals, yeah, exactly. the road warriors, the road Demolition. warriors. And, so, and so, I mean, it, it's a very unique background. But You bet I know. Yeah, I know you know. <laughs> That's why I brought it up to you, But uh, and, and Joe was in a lot of practices up there at the Rams. But anyway, James Laurinaitis was just because of the way he presented himself.
1: I'll tell you what, I would never, ever want to be in an NFL interview at the NFL Combine. No chance. Why? I would crack under the pressure. It's an intense 15 minutes. You've got coaches, general managers, assistant coaches, coordinator. Everybody's in a room. Scouts are in there. And, you. I, I mean, it's a firing squad. You are taking questions from here and there and everywhere. They're asking you to do things. They're trying to see how you're going to respond. They're doing crazy things to you. Like, nope, nope. I would crack. I would cry.
0: Have you ever heard or reported upon much that has happened in one of those interviews, Jim? Have you heard a lot of stories I about I've probably
2: heard stories more than related, You know, just the, the things that coaches will do or scouts will do that will try to get these guys off their game. I mean, asking them, you know, some some stuff, you know, obviously has been reported that have been asked in more recent years. I think that certainly the NFL is trying to crack down on yeah. about how extreme you can take some of these questions. But uh, I guess the main thing I've heard has probably been from Titan scouts, just how you try to get these guys uh, – Ask them something that's different. And when you have so many teams that are getting crocks at you, you've got to be pretty creative to do that. People will
0: take the Wonderlick test here, the 12-minute, 50-question test. Dave McGinnis, explain what sort of intelligence that you feel like the wonderlick exposes and why it's important and why it's important to do well?
3: Well, again, it's a it's a piece of it. And, again, it's not an end-all to be-all because, I mean – It's it, not an IQ test? It's not an IQ test. It's really not. I mean, it, it it's a reading comprehension, uh, being able to, to process quickly and move because, you know, you're graded on, on how many you're able to answer in the 12 minutes, as you said. But, it, look, coaching for 31 years in this league, I've had guys that have scored – Mike Mamula you're talking about scored 49, 49. He scored 49 on the Wonderlick out of 50 it's pretty good you know but i've also i've also had great players that i won't name in my 31 year career that were single digit Wonderlick guys were great football players and so i mean you have to it, it takes into a lot of different backgrounds you know how you do some people just aren't good at taking tests you know if you're like what Amy Wells said if you're going to cry in the interview you might you might not do good on the on the test. I mean that is just, but it's just another piece and it's another part of it. But you look at it and you look at it. I think you look at it a little more, you know, subjectively than you do objectively, and make it. it it's not a it's not a finite thing, Mike.
0: How many things that are reported here, and I, Coach, I want you to take it first, and then Jim second. How many things that will be reported here about wonderlick tests and how guys do in interviews should the public take as 100 percent true
3: well first of all they used to not ever report the wonder you know and because i think it gives a false narrative as far as as far as to a person's intelligence their football intelligence their innate intelligence you know that's not fair to begin with right and so you can't if and again anytime you put numbers to anything people are going to draw their own conclusions to it and so the numbers on the Wonder League were never, ever supposed to be exposed. In this day and age, you know, I mean, look, when I first started coming to this thing, this thing was closed down tight, tight, tight. Now now fans are in here, you know. So, I mean, it's just what it is, the the information that's out there. But you should not, do, don't draw any finite conclusions from the Wonder League.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, certainly you hear about the, the lows more than you do the highs. Yeah, I mean, you hear Bob front. Smith yeah. just made a five. Yeah, and then uh, you hear, was it Ryan Fitzpatrick, he made it, did he make a 50? Uh, he made a 48, Made I a 48, yeah. okay. So I think something Pat, really Pat good.
0: McAnally is the only 50, if okay. I'm not mistaken.
3: Now, I, I, you'd have to – You'd know that. I, I, I don't know that. I mean. Former Bengals punter who went no, to Harvard. No, no Well, Pat I know yes. you know who he is. Yeah, yeah but, but I didn't know. I mean, 50's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah but Out of you, 50, <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> but fine. Just, it, but
2: it seems like people want to obviously report the lows more than they do the highs. And uh, sometimes it is kind of a telltale sign on some players. Other times, as Coach Max says, I mean, you, you've got to. Uh, you've got to weigh the football side of it as well. Some of it, I think, that has to do with the position you play. I mean, uh, if you're a quarterback and you score low, and you, uh, then I think that is a, has to be considered a pretty big concern. Other positions, yeah, you know, question. some of these wonder-lit questions that I've seen, are not going to help you, you know, make a play at the goal line uh, when the game's on the line. Uh, so you got to take it for what it's worth.
0: All right, let me throw out a few things. One, one interesting point in terms of Mike Vrabel's press conference that he gave out yesterday that probably told a lot of people something about him that we have seen, is he is very interested to see how you treat people with the team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't give a lot of hints about what he thinks the most important drills are, tests are, you know, in terms of football attributes. He's not given anything. We are going to see how you treat – the team, and people around the team. In knowing him, what do you think that means? How do you explain that to somebody who doesn't know Mike Vrabel, Amy Wells?
1: Mike Vrabel is very concerned about making sure that the people who are in the building, whether it be players, coaches, staff, are courteous, kind people, if that makes sense. He wants to make sure that his staff knows every person's name, from Amy Adams Strunk to the person who cleans the building on the weekends. He wants everyone to feel like they are part of the team, like they're part of the family. He wants everyone to feel like they are involved and that they matter. And I think that one of the ways that Mike Vrabel gauges a person's character is how they treat the people around them who maybe can't do anything for them. And I think that that is – it's a big Mike Vrabel thing, and I think it's also a really good way to judge the guys that you're about to bring into the family.
0: Okay, let me stop you there and take it to Dave McGinnis from a a slightly different point. I think you've described it well. But from why you would want that in a football player, why is that important?
3: Well, it's about respect. Because the thing that, that that's extremely important, and look, you can be the most violent football player in the world, but it doesn't mean that you have to be disrespectful to everybody else. And to Amy's point is so good. You don't have to be disrespectful for the people that clearly can't do anything for you, but really do, do a lot for you. Look, when you're vetting these players, even when you go to their universities, when you go to, to you know, when I used to go to these uh, pro days at these universities, i would i would i would when we would go there i would try to go into the dining hall and ask the ladies you know how's how's mike keith you know we're here we're here to work how, how's mike keith you know how, how's the guy the, the people that are cleaning the building you know we're here, to, we're here to work somebody out you know we're here to work somebody out today because everybody's there you know we're here to work out mike keith you know how how's he and then those when you do that look it's a respect factor because when you travel in this league you re- you represent more than just yourself you know it's how you it's how you treat people on the airplane how you treat i mean it's a respect factor and look i've 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 worked with some really really Violent football players in my 31-year career that were really, really gentlemen. One of the best I ever coached in my life. And everybody knows the name, Mike Singletary. Absolutely. Could not be a more violent football player ever. First Ballot Hall of Famer. One of the most respectful human beings you've ever been. There's something to. Now, no, not everybody has to be a Boy Scout. Not every, but you have to be respectful of people.
2: And we've all seen the kind of the two sides of Mike Vrabel. I mean, the, the guy who's on the football field that is will yell and scream and, and, and use some colorful language sometimes when he's not happy. He's an intense guy. I mean, I can only imagine what he was like in the huddle as a player. Uh, but we've also seen the side of him that's uh, really good to people, and we talk about people inside the building. I know it was as an event on Monday with him at, at elementary school where he was reading to kids, and just to watch him not only interact with the kids, but the teachers, everybody was in the building, and that's the way he is at all these events that we've been to with him. Uh, he doesn't want any phonies around the team. I mean, you can sell a guy during a 15-minute interview and come across as a great guy, and, and and uh, but but if you di- he, he wants to dig deeper on some of these guys, as Co- Coach Mike mentioned, you have to do. Them. I mean, you talk to people around him. That's when you kind of get a bigger picture of what a guy is all about. He he don't want to be tricked into picking a guy and then finding out something completely different about him when uh, when he gets in the building. And, that, and that's why you got to do homework on these guys.
0: Each coach and general manager does a session with the media here. Yesterday, Vrabel and John Robinson did theirs. John Robinson seemed to make some news speaking about free agent safety Kenny Vaccaro, referring to him as a primary target. With Jonathan Ciprian returning from injury, there was some wonder if the Titans would go back in on Vaccaro. Did what he say yesterday about his thoughts on Vaccaro change your opinion on that or give you any more clarity with that
2: uh I don't know that it did I mean I certainly that was the biggest uh one liner that came out of it and and the minute I saw Kenny Vaccaro retweeting some of the stuff that was said you knew that it got his attention as well and then you know I couldn't have to admit I've noticed also by an hour later after all of this Vaccaro uh News spread that I saw Jonathan Cyprian tweet out a picture of himself, you know, six months after an ACL showing him working out on the field. and He looks great. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. I, I talked to Jonathan Cyprian in Atlanta when he was at the Super Bowl. He, he, he's been around this league long enough to know how it works. And I asked him, uh, you know, what he thought about the, how things would play out. He raved about how Vaccaro played. And he said, Hey, I could be back and Kenny might not be back uh we could both be back together or kenny could be here and i'm i'm not here playing and i'm playing somewhere else next year so he he knows what how this thing could play out i think i'm curious myself always thought this was it was going to be a tricky one because vicaro played especially well and uh but i also have seen uh, the contract that Reed got and realize that he's not coming for a one-year deal at, at bargain basement price like he did last year. He's going to ha- get a good contract, and now we're going to see how much that plays a factor in whether he's back or not, and, and that's going to result in some of these dominoes falling.
0: You're talking about the contract Eric Reed got in right. Carolina. And so let's, Dave McGinnis, take out the salary cap implication of, of what Vaccaro may or may not get and what Cyprian is due. Take that out. From a football standpoint, can you make the case keeping both of those players?
3: Yeah, you can, you absolutely can because they both got different skill sets. They both have different skill sets and as multiple as Dean Pease, what he does, we've already seen what he's, he's done with multiple defensive back sets as far as being able to manipulate pressures, manipulate bogey coverages, do some things, you know, differently in games, game to game to game. We've seen how creative he can be. So absolutely, if you take the money out of it, and these are both players that, that could fit into this system because they both got have different skill sets and they're both productive players in their own rights.
2: But the money part is going to be a factor. Oh, I sure mean, it is. Beca- mm-hmm. Because Ciprian's contract is, is, will pay him pretty well uh, this year. And, uh, again, going back to the Reed contract, I'm sure Vaccaro was looking at that saying, uh, you know, I had a pretty good year myself, better year than Reed, and uh, probably deserve that money. And the question is – how are you going to pay them both a combination of what that is? You're going to have to get creative. Yes. I mean,
0: you're going to have to get creative. Let's talk about something else, too, that has been talked about. Uh, There's been a narrative outside of the Titans camp that either Dennis Kelly or Jack Conklin are going to guard, that they are moving to guard. John Robinson said, quite frankly, they're both primarily tackles, but he didn't rule out moving one to guard. It sounds like, much like the safety situation – he is very much looking to keep his options open, Amy, and that he and and Mike Vrabel and the staff are going to let things play out in free agency in the draft before making any decision about who goes where to form the best five in front of Marcus Mariota.
1: I think that the Titans offensive line is sneakily becoming one of the most interesting things to watch throughout the offseason and into training camp. I think that it's not a secret that there were some issues this year. There were a lot of injuries that guys were fu- oh excuse me, were fighting through. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how things shake up. Do I think that in training camp we might see a little switching of positions and guys moving in and guys moving out? And I think that's going to be the time that we're going to watch to see where Jack Conklin ends up taking the most snaps, where Dennis Kelly ends up fitting into all of this. I think that – Free agency isn't outside the realm of possibility, bringing someone else in. I don't think that the draft is outside the realm of possibility, bringing in someone that way. I think there are a million different options right now, and it's going to be so fun to see the kaleidoscope kind of shift and change and come into view as we go through this process. I, I'm really excited to see what happens with the Titans offensive line.
3: See, the thing to me uh, about this, and, and is back to Mike's point, is you have time to make that decision. And, and and I've been involved with moving people. I mean, I drafted Leonard Davis out of the University of Texas, you know who was, who was a giant left tackle there and, and immediately moved him to guard you know and did that did that early on and he ended up being a pro bowl guard but he played both sides both sides of tackle so first of all it's if the, if the athlete can do it it's if the athlete wants to do it or and if you think that's the most optimum thing after you have already exhausted all of your other possibilities we are just right now at the beginning of possibilities at a lot of positions for either salary cap wise or either position move wise or free agency wise and then clearly the draft that we're getting ready to have in Nashville. So this is a time, you don't have to make a decision right now, but you know decisions are going to start to be talked about. And I think that's one of them.
2: And and, is, and and part of that reason is because you just don't know how things are going to play out. You might have your eye on a guy in free agency. You might have your eye on a guy in the draft. Well, what happens if somebody else is willing to give the guy more money and mess out on this guy early in free agency or you're not able to get to this guy in the draft? And then you maybe reconsider some things. Uh, You know, I think of the interior, I still think Jack Conklin's a tackle, and I think that's where he's going to play. Dennis Kelly is a very valuable swing guy. Uh, Right now, you look at the bunch, yeah, it makes sense to get him in your starting five, but there's going to be company. There's going to be somebody in there competing against Uh, Some of these other guys in the interior and and Quentin Spain's contract is up. I personally think Ben Jones was the best of the three of the interior guys last year. As things are right now, I I see him being a part of the equation. But other than that, I think all bets are off and a lot hinges on what transpires here uh, in a couple weeks in, in the early part of free agency.
1: I think Coach Mack made a good point too about want to and how that's a part of the puzzle as well. I mean, there's a chance that a guy just doesn't want to be a guard. I'm a tackle. I've always been a tackle. I will remain a tackle. And uh, that's that's a legitimate piece of that puzzle. It does factor in. And I think that that's some, if a guy doesn't want to move positions, I mean, you can't force him.
0: Well, you can, but it's <laughs> yeah. probably yeah, not going to go well. But it's yeah. not great. No. And
1: they're the big guys. Not You don't in want professional to mess football. with the big guys. like, All nope. right.
0: Here's a rumor last night. Titans are certainly going to be in the market, I would think, in free agency and in the draft for edge rushers. Justin Houston may be on the market. Justin Houston just turned 30 years old, Kansas City Chiefs, has a 22-sack season in his rearview mirror, battled some injuries. Last year, nine sacks. Uh, In 2017, nine-and-a-half sacks, 78-and-a-half sacks for his career. Uh, he's due $15.25 million reportedly. So he's due a big contract. If a team, if any team, were going to get interested in Justin Houston, and the Chiefs are looking to move him because they're going to have to pay D Ford, and he's their younger pass rusher. So it's not that this guy can't play, it's that they, they've got to make a decision. What kind of market do you think there's going to be for this type of player? And as somebody who's been in those rooms, knowing that he's 30, knowing that he has a big number, what sort of offer would any team make for this play? Well,
3: let's put something else at the back end of that that's extremely important. Let's look at his medical history, right? Because he's missed, you know, he's missed some ball games, and that's extremely important. You know, I I vetted him coming out. I mean, you could you could you could sense, you know, he was at Georgia. He he coming out. This guy can bring it can bring it off the edge, and that's borne out to be true. True. Okay. But the reason that he is on the market, and you you've listed the first two, and then the injuries also factor into that. And so, the first thing you would have to do is go in and do a complete your medical evaluation on this guy because if he's carrying a if he's carrying a, a fifteen million dollar hit, all right, right now and you have to look at your roster to see how that money fits in because free agency, when you start talking about free agents, it's different when you're talking about a draft pick because those salaries are slotted. You start talking about a free agent that's been in the league for a long time, then you're talking about some money and the numbers that you brought up everybody wants to get everybody wants to get pressure so it's going to be extremely important until I know the medical I don't know
2: hey, this team needs an edge rusher I mean, there's no question about that it's just a matter of who it's going to be because Brian Arakpo is not coming back uh, he's retiring Derek Morgan I'll be shocked if he's back uh, his contract's up so you're left with Harold Landry who I expect to make a good leap uh, next season Kamala Correa who uh, you know, who certainly has potential but uh Uh, was at a point where he was inactive at least one game, maybe two games last year, because obviously he needed to step it up and they valued some other guys more. And then Sheree Finch, who showed some promise, but still a little bit unproven himself. So there will be some additions at that position. It's just a matter of who they're going to be. The edge rusher will be addressed this offseason. That is
3: that is true. You know that. All you, you all you have to do is look at your roster, and you can see you can see how it slots in. The edge rushing position will be addressed in this off season.
1: If you're the Tennessee Titans with guys like Sharif Finch, Harold Landry, younger guys, inexperienced guys, would you rather bring in someone in free agency, even though they're a little bit older, they're, uh, the shelf life is a little bit different, or would you rather bring in more young talent? have the longevity?
3: If I knew the veteran I was bringing in, and I'm not, I'm not talking about just his playing ability, if I knew that person, because it's extremely important when you bring you bring free agents in, that they're also able to fit, we, as we started this podcast off earlier, talking about the culture of the building, the culture of the locker room, the culture of what you know, Mike Verable and John Robinson want this team to represent on the field and off the field. If you find somebody that can do that, that fits into your cap, that's a plus because look especially at that position that position okay is 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 somebody has developed as a rusher in this league that's an innate skill and that does not change from from scheme to scheme to scheme you have somebody that can beat nfl lineman one-on-one that's a skill that is valuable you have somebody that's already proven that you like that a young guy a young guy, you're going to have to teach. I've already vetted most of these edge rushers in this league. I've, I've watched a lot of tape. In this draft. In this draft. In this draft. I've, and, 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 look. They've got things to learn. They've got things to learn about counter moves. They've got things to learn about speed to power moves. They've got things to learn about they're going to be playing against offensive tackles that can move their feet and get their hands on their chest and jab. I and mean, then there's difference. There's a difference in rushing people in this league than there is in the NCAA, no matter how good
2: you are. And, and Harold Landers a perfect example of that, I mean, because he He's going to be good. I mean, there's no question about that. But I think you could see as he worked against Taylor Wan, as he worked against some of these offensive tackles in the league, he needs to develop further as a player. And as Coach Mack uh, said, I mean, I I think having a veteran who has been through some of that before, has kind of passed those tests, has learned along the way, that that gives you more of an immediate impact than maybe a young guy in this draft.
0: Let me ask you true or false, and I'll go around the table. So you've got Antonio Brown, who's on the block. You've got Le'Veon Bell, who's going to be a free agent. You've got Nick Foles, who's going to be a free agent. There's talk about Justin Houston is on the trading block now. I mean, a lot of names like this. As as we go through this process, knowing the dollar figures that are attached to these sorts of players, it doesn't seem like those are the kind of guys that John Robinson is going to go after as he tries to cobble things together in free agency, in what he acquired – because he's liable to trade. We all know that. He's Trader John. But true <laughs> or false, those sorts of names are less likely for the Titans because of John Robinson's history.
2: I say I would say that's true. Uh, and, uh, and again, he he's, is a little bit unpredictable. Uh, we saw that right out of the gate when he trades for DeMarco Murray, you know, his first stint on the job, first kind of go around uh, – Uh, So I'd say that's true, and and hearing Mike Vrabel answer the Antonio Brown question as far as what you're looking for on adding players kind of gives you even more feeling that they're not looking for a guy who has had a little bit of a issue in his past.
3: No, I think that's extremely true and, 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 and that's, it. that's important as to where you are as an organization. If you're, if you're a, a first year head coach and a first year general manager that's coming to a, a, a team that is a complete dumpster fire. Well, then you might take those chances early on and say, you know, we'll try to get this fixed quick, and then start trying to build through the draft. But when you've already established some of the things that you have established, then then you're a little then you're a little bit more selective about what you do. And then clearly, again, we keep going back to this. It's part of this league. It's what it is. I've managed salary caps before. I know what uh, a trick it is to piece that puzzle together. It's it's money.
0: Well, I think that's what this says. I mean who wouldn't like to have these names? They can all play. Right. It, it's not about that. It's about the names that you already have, the numbers that you have, and how you put the whole puzzle together on and off the field in terms of the financial, the physical, and the personalities.
1: Absolutely. I think that both John Robinson and Mike Vrabel are looking at it a little bit more zoomed out, a little bit bigger picture than just that's a good player, that's a big name we would love to have that star. It's how would they fit in the locker room? How is that going to impact the foundation that they've already built? I mean, both of them have worked really hard to establish a culture at St. Thomas Sports Park, and I think it's firm. I think it's solid, and they don't want to start putting cracks in it in year two.
0: Okay, going to end with this. Kyler Murray, quarterback, Oklahoma, Heisman Trophy winner has measured 5'10 and 1-8. So he's taller than expected.
1: Ride that 1-8, man. Get it.
0: He is half an inch shorter than Russell Wilson. Okay. So yes or no, the fact that he has measured over 5'10, Amy Wells, he's now a top 10 pick. Yes or no?
1: I'm going to say yes. Okay.
3: The measurement is his hand was nine and a
2: half. Yes. I'm going to go yes,
3: too. I think so, too. I wonder
2: if Kyler Murray's not headed to Jacksonville at number seven.
1: Cool. I'd Uh, let them have a rookie quarterback for a while.
2: I would prefer him go there than Nick Foles, I think, which is uh, the big free agency uh, talk. Coach Mack? I don't care
3: who they put back there. Dean P's going to bring the heat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love you, man. (laughs) I love you, man. (laughs) Dave McGinnis,
0: Jim White from titansonline.com, Amy Wells, Good stuff.
1: Great stuff. Love the Combine.
0: I love the Combine.
1: Best time of the year.
0: Love the OTP Fab Four <laughs> that we're not allowed to say. I don't
1: think we can say that. I don't that. think we could say that. And I don't but know. I've just said it. I don't know how many of us are that fab. <laughs> Maybe we looking one. to come up with something. Maybe one of them. I was We looking could be, to be the fantastic four. No, no that's definitely taken. We could be the four that's I don't definitely know, four it. friends. What is the what but
2: mac and three instead of a <laughs> mac, and <laughs> mac and cheese <laughs> mac and three. That, you know that's what That's it. <laughs> hey, the first
3: night we were here, you know, Amy Wells says, you know, we're going to eat dinner at the Ram if you when you're through doing stuff and I said I said okay, I'll be there. She said best mac and cheese in any <laughs> <laughs> It
1: might be the best mac and cheese in the Midwest. And she's not wrong. It was really good.
3: Good stuff. Thanks for
0: listening to the OTP.